0: What am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. Okay, Venom, reel it in. Reel it in this time, all right?
1: Reel it in. Reel it in slow and steady.
0: I'm Parker Dietz. I'm Tom Logan. And you're listening to Reel It In, the podcast for marketers who like other stuff too. I'm here with Rachel Cantor, who is the brand and content lead over at Taito. Rachel, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Happy to be here. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thrilled to have you on. Really excited to talk about brand and, and content. I think um, this is, well, at least this is very exciting for me because I think um, with, with both of our roles, there's really a lot of overlap in, in what we're doing day to day. Um, so it's always great to speak with a, a fellow content person, and this way I won't be completely talking out of my ass like like usual, um, but for our listeners that, that don't know who you are and don't really know about Taito, would you mind just giving like a brief uh, little overview of, of what Taito does and, and what you're helping them accomplish? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, so I like to think of Taito as a tool that helps direct-to-consumer brands, Shopify brands, better understand their data, and then how to use that data to make smarter decisions. So we combine Shopify and marketing sources all in one place and then provide really unique insights to help brands kind of leverage those points and then take their stores to the next level.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely helpful given there's so many like vanity metrics and KPIs that people don't even really know what they mean. Um, and don't necessarily like help them achieve their goals. So like simplifying all that stuff is, um, is super helpful. I know like for me, I'm always asking my, my teammates, like, can you like either like pull this report or like help me make sense of this? Cause I, I try to be data driven in everything I do, but like at the same time I've, I've never been good at, at numbers. Um, I'm more of a words person. I don't I know if that's that. the same case for you. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: definitely. Uh, um, cool. And so you are, um, the brand and content leads. Like, what does that mean exactly?
1: Uh, it definitely means a lot of different things. I wear a lot of hats, as most people do uh, when they're at startups. But I always like to say that um, I really touch anything with words um, both like external and can also be internal too. Um, but I think about how, who is Taito? How does Taito come to life? How does Taito come to life on different channels? How does the brand behave? What is the tone of voice? And then also what does that look like within the product experience? Um, so I also do some product marketing as well, but also positioning the brand as a thought leader in the e-commerce enablement space. So doing work around um, creating content about Taito, but also around, like, the ecosystem as well.
0: Yeah, it's so important to not um, always talk about yourself, right, and just provide value <laughs> um, the best way you can. I mean, I've, I learned that um, definitely in, in my role. I'm curious, like, do you have a background in writing specifically? Because I know, like, I basically am touching everything with words here, but I more so, like, I was originally in sales and then kind of just like fell backwards into this position. I've always liked writing, but never like had um, either like studied it or or aimed to do it professionally. So I'm curious, like what uh, what's your background like?
1: Yeah, I I never thought I would be um, be a writer, I guess, point blank. Um, I definitely grew up around a lot of creative people. Um my dad works at a marketing agency. And so I kind of grew up in that like ad agency environment. And I spent a lot of time there as a kid. Um, Looking back on that now, I, I see the points all come together. But uh, when I was in school, I studied communications. So definitely with words, and I was writing a lot. But I kind of had this plan where I would combine marketing and entrepreneurship and do a more marketing uh, focused role at a tech company or a startup. And then I graduated in 2020 during the pandemic, and I ended up starting a personal newsletter, as many people did at the time. It was kind of just a passion project. I had no like goal or ambition for like going viral or like making it big at all. It was just kind of my, my musings, my recommendations. And from that personal project, uh, Morning Brew actually reached out to me, and I joined the team to start Sidekick, which is their first lifestyle-focused newsletter. And I was there for about a year and two months. And that was a real crash course in how to write content and how to churn content um, really quickly. Because I was writing a newsletter twice a week um, in addition to other writing projects. And then afterwards, I joined Taito. So I was always passionate about writing, I guess to say. But I never thought that I would turn it into a career by any means.
0: Yeah, especially with um, like Morning Brew. Um, and all their different newsletters, I'm always like, I have so much respect for the writers because it really is like constantly churning out quality content. Like, it's not like you can take a, you know, I mean, obviously you can take time off, but it's like, you can't like, you can't mail one in, you know, you can't just like, do a half-assed job on one it's got to kind of figure out a system to consistently like be churning out quality and i think like that is one of the hardest things to to master um but the the personal newsletter is so cool like what kind of things were you talking about in there
1: um i was talking a lot about direct-to-consumer brands like brands i loved i was also talking about like larger cultural trends i was seeing like why is the non-alcoholic space booming um Also was sharing recipes too. Like I love to cook and that actually became a part of the newsletter at Morning Brew. And then also like what it was like to be a new grad during the pandemic and like figuring out my life and kind of what I wanted to do, um, and also, like, asking, like, what are my values and beliefs, too? So it was, like, kind of personal narrative and then also, like, uh, recommendations. Also podcasts, like, playlists. I've kind of been that, like, go-to friend for recommendations for, for a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds um, – I mean, there's definitely during the pandemic, too. It's so much time to accumulate all – realize all those things that you, like, experience, like, all these new things that you didn't have time for, I guess, but before. But, um, but, but yeah, it's, like, you – there's just like a way to connect with people, um, through like this content that, that we create, I think. Um, cause there, there is like a, an aspect of like sharing a little bit about yourself and that does help you like connect with, with people that, you know, you've never met before you might not ever meet. Um, and it's just, it's really cool that, um, there's all these tools today that, that allow that to happen. Cause like back in the, back in the day, you really couldn't, you know, you couldn't share this with, no. with people. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Cool. So not, to pivot like into more of a, I guess, like a business focused discussion. Um, I like to do this thing where we like pull like a tweet or like a LinkedIn post and kind of like ask for like some background, um, you know, maybe just cool. like to expand on it. So like, yeah, you know, this one I have here. Um, so this, this is a tweet from you. It says branding used to be all about singularity, know who you are and don't stray from that. The most innovative brand builders are flipping that narrative on its head. Brands are multifaceted, like people, there's room for nuance, complexity, and even contradiction. Um. Yeah. So basically, like, in your own words now, like, what does that mean? What was what what is the shift that occurred? um, And what does like this, this brand look like today that we're that we're seeing? How are they multifaceted? Mm -hmm.
1: It's so interesting to hear your tweet read back to you. And you're like, I said that. Um, But no, it's definitely a cultural shift. I think like in in marketing. And typically we think of brand building as all about singularity. It's about like knowing who you are, what you stand for. Can you put that all like on a one pager and then stay in that lane? And I think that's really valuable. Like so many brands have been built on that. Um, the Like the biggest brands today, like you think of Nike and that comes from Singularity. But I think we're reaching this really interesting point where more and more brands are becoming like humans and they're talking like humans. They're saying things that you wouldn't expect a brand to say. Um, you know, it started with social media. You have brands like Wendy's, like who have such um, voicey accounts. And then more brands start to pick up on that because we as people are more attached to people or more attracted to people than we are to brands. So brands start to talk like people, they start to um, behave like people, they're not using like the third person anymore. They're just talking about themselves, almost as if they're a person. So now that we're starting to see that shift, I think people are also starting to realize that uh, humans are imperfect too. And we also change our opinions and beliefs over time. And so sometimes it's okay for a brand to Change their opinion or do something that's a little different and not necessarily in that like one pager, stay in the lane type of approach. Um, and when I say controversial, I don't mean like a brand saying something that's like um, wrong or like inappropriate or um, something like that. I mean they're taking you would you wouldn't see like a probiotic soda brand and then all of a sudden they're launching like a um, like. Plants, for example, like that, not necessarily that, but you might see a probiotic soda brand and you might see them like entering a new category or a different approach or something that might not be like on that one pager. And I think as consumers, we're starting to like recognize those shifts and then also starting to respect them more because. Uh, we have, we are imperfect as well. And I think that's a little bit more nuanced and kind of further down the line. Once you establish your brand, like I think newer brands um, sometimes can't do that because they haven't like established themselves or their tone of voice, but it's an interesting shift to start to see brands like enter new, enter new conversations that, they haven't necessarily talked about before
0: yeah and even for so what i'm thinking of too is like so nike you mentioned and they're able to have that like singularity but that kind of comes along with being um so established for so long for a newer brand it's almost like a you can use that as a competitive advantage um the ability to be a little bit more human more nuanced um and a little contradictory and not perfect all the time it like um it can kind of help set you set you apart from these you know behemoth brands that are like kind of um, indicative of like the man or the system or whatever you want to do. You can be a little more counterculture if you're able to be um, a little bit more, I guess, casual in your approach. Um, what do you feel like? Do you think? Um, do you find it difficult to like in your own content do that on like the B two B side? Really like let the personality shine through. I feel like I feel like B two B companies are like a lot slower to adapt to this shift um, than than like a, the B two C companies. Um, I'm just curious, like if there's any like if there's any ways you infuse like that um, that personality like into into the content you're doing for for Tido.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would say that typically B two B content is pretty boring. It's pretty um, there's a classic playbook kind of to it, and I've kind of thought a lot about like how do we reinvent or flip the B two B like content playbook on its head. Like, what can we do? that's different. How do you infuse voice and tone and how do you build like the voice of like a SaaS company is like a really interesting challenge. And that was like part of the reason why I joined Taito. I think coming from a B2C side and then coming to B2B um, has been like a really interesting learning curve for me, but also has been interesting in the way that we've been able to position Taito. I think there are a lot of different opportunities, whether it's social whether it's um, just who you hire and having strong writers, like it's so hard to find really good writers. And so I think finding, finding good writers who can take a step back and see like the larger content ecosystem. But at Taito, we've kind of done like there's always the typical um, B2B white paper approach or like gated content. And what's been really fun is like thinking about how do we create uh, gated content that's actually engaging and interesting and has a voice. And that was how we built Taito Tables, which is the series all about gathering niche groups of direct-to-consumer founders and operators in one room to have a single conversation about the biggest challenges and opportunities in that space. So it's actually a in real life content experience turned into a digital content experience Versus like what most people see, which is like a very digital first content experience. Um, and that's been cool because we've not only been able to build community and relationships from that, but also to build valuable content. That's like from the perspective uh, perspective of some of the most innovative brand builders today. So we did it in Austin with emerging food and beverage founders, and we just did it about a month ago in New York with uh, Gen Z founders and operators. And so I think that that's like an interesting approach of how to bring a brand voice to life, but it's not easy. It it also takes time. I think people always forget that. Like building a brand is not something you, you can't create a brand, brand guidelines and you're done. It doesn't work that way. It's you create the brand guidelines, you create the strategy and then over time you see a brand come to life. It's not always like immediate.
0: Yeah. I want to get I want to go back to the time thing in a second. Cause I do think that's like a really um, it, it's an important challenge. I think to overcome and to communicate to like your leadership team is definitely like there's a, t- a bit of time and trust I- involved in, in brand building, certainly. Um, but for the, um, that like content series you did, were there any like big surprises you found about getting like a bunch of founders into like the same room? Like, was there anything unexpected that you didn't really plan for?
1: Oh, totally. There were, and it was, also interesting to see like the differences between austin and new york like in austin we had people at the dinner who were shelf mates like they were they're in the same like grocery stores in austin and this is like their first time meeting they also haven't like experienced kind of dinners like this before um it was very it was also surprising because like bi-weekly female founder meetups came out of that like a true community was built out of that dinner um and then in New York, what, there were a lot of things that um, they talked about, these like Gen Z founders and operators that I feel like are really like spicy takes for, for Gen Z. And so I'm super excited to share those because I think a lot of people think they've figured Gen Z out. But I think in a lot of ways, um, Gen Z is like what we're kind of calling like an aesthetic jumble, like still like mix and match, kind of figuring it out. Um, so there, there's definitely a lot of surprises. And also like the conversation just goes in so many different directions. You can't even like expect it.
0: Yeah. And so like the founders were, were like Gen Z. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. All, uh, they were either Gen Z founders or relatively close to Gen Z, but the common thread for all of them was, um, they all work at Gen Z focused brands.
0: Oh, gotcha. That's that's cool. Um, I'm gonna have to get my hands on that. Yeah. Whenever that comes out, um, but that sounds really cool. But um, yeah. certainly, like, yeah, kudos to you. It's it's like an outside the box. Um, definitely interesting. Way to like present this information and, and actually like provide exclusive insights, um, mm-hmm. which is usually what is promised by a, like a white paper or some sort of download. Um, and I'd say, way more often than not, uh, it's you know, you could have done without giving them your email. That, day. yeah,
1: de- definitely.
0: <laughs> I think it's like markers, we always want to like, I don't know, I think that's the best part of the job is when you can finally like do something that's actually like dope, that's actually like cool, that like gets you fired up because i think like there's it's it can be really easy to like fall into that routine of just like um going through the motions and just doing the basics which i think uh kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier is like being able to be humans um in in, like a b2b marketing capacity and actually put yourself in someone's shoes and say like okay what what do they actually want from us you know yeah
1: because they're Um, they're people at the end of the day too like i think we also forget that that b2b is b2b but also there are people behind businesses too.
0: Yeah, I think like the hardest part for me was really just like, I I, fi- I found it easy at first to just like hide behind the company too. You don't have to be like vulnerable or like put yourself out there as much. Um, because like when I started in, in this, in uh, in marketing here at Coley, I was like, I was just like not accustomed to like, even like posting like really on like social media, which is like funny because I was like running Coley Social for so long. Um, <laughs> but like I wouldn't I wouldn't do it on like my personal really or like, you know, really like post on like Twitter or LinkedIn. It's like, it was so easy to hide behind the company but like at the same time um that kind of masks the 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 personality that you're able to to show
1: that's true
0: um yeah so back to the the thing you mentioned about you know how building a brand takes time and i think in addition to requiring time like it does need trust it's not like always the most um it's it's not always the simplest thing to prove or to project with with numbers especially to like a c-suite or a leadership team i guess like when you go about like pitching an idea to to your leadership, um, that maybe like is a little bit more like uh, top of funnel, like a little bit harder to track. Like, is there anything that that you do to to make that sell a little easier?
1: Yeah, it's definitely it can be tricky, especially if you're working with people in in your C suite who are not used to. Are not accustomed to um, the brand building timeline and tactics for sure. I think for me, like I always connect projects to larger overarching strategy. Like, what content pillar does this fit into? So, if there aren't necessarily like KPIs at the moment, at least it fits into the larger strategy, which I know has has larger KPIs for, for the brand too, if that makes sense. So kind of like always connecting it to a higher pillar. And then, um, those pillars can be like a multitude of things, you know, it can be like, um, being a thought leader in the space that you're in, it can be like lead gen, all of those, um, tools. And so that kind of, that content pillar strategy begins like from, should be a part of like a, of your team from day one, in my opinion. Um, and then other strategies that I use, I, I always remind people that it is like a long term game. And I know that's like not um, so easy to hear sometimes, too. And there's this great quote from uh, Farron Weiner, who's the founder of Fahrenheit, which is a great um, agency, where she says, um, branding is a marathon, marketing is a sprint. And I always remember that um, because. Branding does take time, but there are like little, I feel like points that you can kind of check along the way that do ladder up to um, things that actually like move the needle. But you can't have like a successful business if you don't have a brand and then that's kind of where content comes in. And of course, content takes different forms, but I think narrowing it, narrowing down like content pillars then different like formats and channels that you can own. And there are KPIs that are associated with each channel and each format as well. So I think also, and then my third point would be um, just bringing it back to data, kind of bringing the combination of data and creative in one. Like I think the best marketers are um, performance driven, but are also creative minded at the same time. And I've been really lucky to work with people who like value creative So I feel like it's harder for me to kind of talk about the experience of working with people who are really focused on the numbers. Um, But to me, that balance of like the data and creative is probably the most important at the same time. So hopefully that answers your
0: question. Yeah, no, it did. I think I think a big part is putting yourself in a position where there's going to be that trust and also just like an, an enthusiasm around like creativity and content. I think like if you're in an environment like that, that's that's gonna support that generally um like it it will make it so much easier for you to to like actually do your job um as a as a content marketer
1: totally and also this is like not a um thing you can measure at all but to me i feel like the secret to almost all content is just doing cool shit don't do like ridiculous things but like that's how like how you make it to like the t- first page of google for yourself like if you if you are doing things for yourself like if you're building your own personal brand and doing cool shit then like you'll be noticed and same thing for your brand you'll be noticed too it's not necessarily like the proven seo strategy for content but i think like if you're not doing cool shit um part of my language too but like um
0: oh we can say whatever we want oh am-
1: amazing part. Um, if you're, if you're not doing cool shit, then nobody's going to read your content in the first place. And then that's a problem because then you're not going to hit those goals and things. So if you're just doing the same playbook time and time again, and you're not creating engaging content, then you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. And that's where like marketing thrives is like when you're a marketer and you break boundaries. And so if you can do that with your content, then like you're. You're on the right
0: track. Yeah, and it seems like when you when you talk about it now, like it always seems so simple, right? It's like, okay, do you really think someone wants to read the 1,000th article of like eight ways to do blah, blah, blah? And it's like, no, like they don't. Um, no. But for whatever reason, like more people are just like, I mean, clearly for yeah. like the SEO implications and stuff like that. But like, it's just like, it's the same like playbook over and over again. And it's the best part about marketing is when you get a, like, um, it like, really just like remove all the boundaries and, and the restraints and like, think outside the box and i think uh i do think like as a whole a lot of companies are going to start moving back in that direction like and it'll it'll still be data driven just we're gonna have access to like we're gonna have less access to the easy tools like we used to have especially with like you're talking about like privacy restrictions and and Mm -hmm. cookies like now you're gonna have to actually just like create really quality content um to um to navigate around that and also like compete with all the other noise that is coming through like and all the other content people could be consuming um it's really going to take like a lot of uh actual like creative thinking outside the box thinking
1: definitely it definitely will
0: and i think um like so like in a b2b lens i think like it's clear we've kind of established because because i think just like so much b2b content just like sucks so bad that like, um, it's pretty easy to like point out like what is, um, what is interesting, like what is what is cooler than what's uh, what's been done before. I think on the B two C side, it's like a little bit, I guess, content as a strategy, like outside of social, is like can be hard to do. I think like, mm-hmm. um, like you know, no one's like. I don't really envision a world where everyone's going to be reading like, um, I don't know, uh, like a probiotic tease like blog. Like I think that's a long shot. I wonder, um, I wanted to ask you, like, are there any brands that, that you love right now, or you think are doing like a really great job, like with their, their content strategy with their brand building and like really showing that, that personality we've been talking about?
1: Definitely. It, it is harder, but I think it's a very successful strategy when you, when you nail it right. I think uh, one brand that I love is vacation, the sunscreen brand. Uh, they were born out of pool suite FM and they are excellent at brand building. Um, and they have this awesome like email newsletter where they provide like super fun content that's relevant to the brand. So it's a sunscreen brand. Um, it's like kind of old school in it's branding and in their newsletter, they'll, um, provide like a, a way to make like a towel swan, which I think is like so fun. Um, and then also like the pool suite itself, like the music matches vacation. They're also doing tons of innovative things with their marketing. Um, but that's one brand as a whole that I feel like is flipping um, content on its head a little bit. Another one that comes to mind is um, specifically in the direct-to-consumer space as well is Graza, the squeezable olive mm-hmm. oil brand. They're they're really interesting, um, both from how they've built their organic social is incredible to their influencer strategy to their email. I actually really enjoy their blog. Like I agree that most consumers like don't read a probiotic soda brand, but uh, their blog is called the Glog because it's Graza with a G. But, um, and they do things like they share recipes. So it makes sense for the brand. And then also they've just built a super loyal following of, Um, consumers like myself so like I enjoy reading their content I want to know what recipes people are making or like the 22 ways to use olive oil that aren't for cooking like I'm curious about that but then the what is also interesting is they're kind of at this influx of like content and community and I think a lot of interesting a lot of brands are starting to do this where Graza for example will have a massive pig roast upstate where they'll like have they'll like roast a pig and then they'll like also like serve ice cream with olive oil drizzled on top and do this like huge, like beautiful country spread. And then you'll see like them post all about it on social. And then people will respond being like, where is the next one? When can I come? All of that. So it's a community moment, but then they also like share that, um, that event in their content, like whether it's in email or online, um, and also, there's there are other brands who are doing that. So I'm really fascinated by this like um, in real life first, digital second kind of like content and community building tactic. I think it's like a really good way to like start small, build loyal fans, and then like build up hype and also like FOMO too, which we know always works with consumers. So I feel like those are three or two um, two brands that are that are really crushing it. Plus, like Graz's TikTok is awesome as well, um, and that's a fun one.
0: Yeah, I think you like you really nailed it it's it's it can be fun and engaging and people can go crazy for it um and it just kind of has to tangentially make sense like what um what the sunscreen is doing with like the 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 swan towels like It's like semi-related. It's like you bring a towel to the beach and you also bring like sunscreen and people still love it. I I think it's just like, you doesn't have to be so like, like, uh, so rigid and like in the same box as the product. And I think the, the more important thing is like, you're going to get, these things are really only possible because of the people who are making them happen. And it gives those people that the marketers that work at these brands, um, it allows them to do stuff like that's a little bit more exciting, a little bit outside the box compared to like, not everyone at that company is just like living and breathing sunscreen. Like, it's not like yeah. what they're like, you know, all so, so passionate about, about, you know, the sunscreen and the chemical makeup of sunscreen and the um techniques to adhere it. It's like, no, they like, you know, they like origami, and um, you know the people at, at Graza like like barbecues, and they think a real life event could be could be really dope, especially after we've been we've been locked inside for so long. It's like um, giving the people a little bit more like freedom to like be themselves, and that shines through um, like across the whole brand. So I think yeah, those are great examples of people who've nailed it.
1: Yeah, they're they're fun, and they're also like I think especially in direct to consumer, um, you have to look for opportunities to bring a product to life, and because people want to see it in action, so like, how can you do that in a creative way? And those are like, I think, ways to ways you can nail it. Yeah, it's always
0: about it's always about um like bringing it back to, to real life. I think we're we spend too much time on our phones. It's like too much. let's remind people. So remind people there's a great big beautiful world out there. hundred um, percent. Cool. So I don't want to take up too much of your, any more of your time, but uh, just like one fun little, little question before we part ways. Uh, what are you currently binging? If anything, Ooh,
1: like binge watching or binge reading or
0: um, I'll leave it up for um, interpretation.
1: Okay. Um. Well, I'm currently binge watching the, la- the uh, new season of stranger things, which is much creepier than I would personally like, but I'm very invested okay. in the characters in the story. It's, scary, and I definitely cover my eyes a lot, but um, I am currently binge-watching, watching watching that. I also read a lot, too, but in my free time, because you got to get off the screen a lot. So, in my opinion, that's what is important.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. You learn a lot more words that way. I find that when I don't read for a while, like, read, like, a novel... Um, I try not to read too many like nonfiction like self-help books yeah (laughs) I think they like you know people always recommend like business books and stuff and I think like a lot of them are great and they like are very valuable but if you read too many of those you just like don't know who you are anymore Um, you're trying to like implement all these different like new tactics Um, so I try to stick to fiction for the most part but I find that like my vocabulary actually gets worse if I take like a month or two (laughs) off, off reading a book. Um, So definitely important for your job.
1: Yes, definitely important. I try to alternate like fiction, business, like self helpy nonfiction books as much as I can, but I crave like the escapism and like getting lost in another world. So I love fiction for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, Rachel, it's been so great having you on. I really appreciate it. Um, It's always great to talk to, to someone also fighting the good content fight, um, we'll link to your Twitter in the show notes. But yeah, other than that, is there anything else you want to plug? Anywhere you know people can find you, um, anything like that?
1: Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, trying to think where else. Definitely check out Tido and like all the content we're doing. Um, it's just tido.com. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun, and I love jamming about this stuff. So it's always a good time.
0: Yeah, of course. Love we'll to. Uh we'll have to stay in touch and we can, we can always jam on this, uh, offline, but, uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, continuing to like work together and, and learn from each other.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you.
0: All right. All right. We'll catch you next time on reel it in.